Morning, everybody. It's uh, Wednesday morning in London town. Thank you to Christo. The mo- you, you only have to mention religion and sexuality overnight, and uh, immediately the hatred. Immediately the the discussion. Immediately the it says in the Bible, and everybody quoting the Old Testament. To be quite honest, I don't know anybody who's ever read the Old Testament, unless you know. I really don't know people who read the Old Testament. But everybody's interpretation is different, isn't it? Funny. You can't even. That's why religion is the cause of more wars around the world than anything else, because nobody can ever agree. Nobody can ever agree on what the Bible says. Everybody interprets it differently. You ask people about, about um, you know, uh, the, the Quran. People interpret it differently. Some people interpret the Bible as saying, man shall not lie with man. And they keep religiously quoting that. I don't know what they're worried about. Probably worried in case it gets made compulsory by the time you got to Leviticus or something like that. But, but people do, do sort of worry about it. And then you have the old arguments. And I was listening to them all being trotted out last night, you know, about God doesn't like this and, and the bigotry that comes out. It's quite... quite uh, it's quite worrying, actually, that some people are so insular that they can see no further than the end of their nose. They can only go by what it says in the Bible. And yet the chances are we, we've had more perverted priests in the court through the Roman Catholic Church. You know, a veritable fairyland, I believe, the Vatican City is. And, and you think to yourself, why do people get so fussed about religion? It's a personal thing. You want to do it, do it. Just keep it quiet to yourself. Nobody really cares. I had a friend of mine years ago who sort of went off... And he went over to, to a kibbutz. He came back and he'd had a complete conversion. A complete conversion. And then started saying, should we have a sit down and sort of and go through? I said, listen, you know, I was brought up C of E and I'll probably die C of E, I should imagine. But uh, all the other things, really not interesting. And yet, when you think about it, strangely enough, I was reading this book about the Tower of London yesterday and got quite engrossed on the train. Quite engrossed. It's, I mean, don't read it if you don't like bloodthirsty things, because it's, it's absolutely bloodthirsty. The, the history of the Tower from the early days was just executions, and it was all done under the guise of religion. They made things up. They absolutely made stories up, you know, various kings over the years, to get what they wanted, because they were perverted, uh, just had people executed. I mean, and it, was, and it was so blood. Every time you turned a page, there was an, another execution. Some people went to their executions quite bravely, and had to make their speeches, but uh, other people didn't go at all, because I don't know why they were so worried about offending the king, because at that time the king had signed the death warrant, and everybody went there, and they all, it either happened very quickly, or it was a slow, painful death. I mentioned one of them, the Earl of whoever he was, who was drowned in a vat of uh, Malmsley wine, which must have been quite disgusting, kind of drunk the stuff afterwards, and the hung drawing and quartering, there was one particular woman, they were trying to get something out of her, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't budge, and they practically ripped her arms out of her sockets, and eventually it was stopped. And then they tortured her again. And you think, we were quite bloodthirsty for various people. There were huge crowds outside on Tower Hill to watch executions. 100,000 people were certainly not uncommon for people to watch executions. And people used to marvel at how much blood came out of the body. We really were bloodthirsty. Anyway... Of course, all of that and Dale Farm today. I only mention it because uh, they're barricading themselves in. There's about a hundred anarchists down there because they're looking for a good ruck. That's what they enjoy, these anarchists. They don't actually serve any useful purpose apart from turning up and disrupting other people's lives. Whereas the travellers are probably just going, oh, away with you. Not really interested anymore now. And they'll all happily move off. But uh, now they're going to push children to the front. It's, I think it's going to turn quite nasty. I think it will turn quite nasty. And I don't know how far the council are prepared to go. 
Because, to be honest with you, the police should be in there arresting the anarchists immediately. The moment somebody throws something, that's the time you go in mob-handed, drag them out, and we put them in prison. We did it with the rioters. I think we, we do exactly the same down at Dale Farm. It won't, it, it won't be the travellers. The travellers will step back from it and go, right, OK, you, you do the work for us. They, they won't be doing anything like that. I was a little bit... Um, worried to read in uh, one of the papers today that uh, Carol McGiffin might have had a little bit of help to make her look a little bit fresh-faced. There's also a report on poor old Jordan again, I'm afraid, sorry to mention it so early, on uh, how every part of her is plastic, and now she's paying the price. She's got really awful hair. Uh, Her veneers, apparently, are all dropping away. In fact, everything is falling off this poor woman's body. All the experts have said you never, if you're having your breasts enlarged, never go up more than two cup sizes something that probably many of them in this building have adhered to over the years. And, uh, and then, and I had to agree with, uh, with uh, one of the columnists today who was talking about the ridiculously stupid Tamara Eccleston who's been photographed lying on a million pounds of £50 notes. It's all very clever, but a little bit stupid and naive. You know, when people are facing recession, people are facing hardships, and this vacuous, stupid girl you know, insists on flaunting her wealth. It'd be so much easier if she actually got off her arse and went out there and got a job and did something properly, but she doesn't appear to do anything. But posing on a million pounds, who is that supposed to impress? Certainly not me, and certainly not Jane Moore, certainly not anybody I've ever spoken to. They just think she's rather silly and a little bit of a show-off. But there again, when, when Daddy does the work, daughter spends the money for Daddy just as much to blame. Uh, the good news is Lisa Scott Lee... Uh, lives in Dubai. I had no idea. They did an interview. She's moved to Dubai. You're welcome to it, love. It's a building site. What a ghastly place to want to move to. But there again, uh, she says, I'm doing a lot of flying at the moment. And then they ask her the question, will you be trying to get more lead vocals this time round? Because you know at the moment it does appear to be Claire who does the lead vocals on most of it. And she says, it's something we've discussed. Not me personally, but the boys have said if we do new stuff, they'd like to feature on them. No chance. No chance. You know, there is no evidence to suggest whatsoever that anybody in Steps can actually sing for Toffee apart from Claire. The rest of them do la-las and mime. And that's why going on tour will be, will be quite funny. And uh, she says, uh, it's what we all bring to the table. It's, you know, it's, it's what we do now. We are all back together again, even though I said the majority of Steps, you know, are about 37, 38, which is quite old. I don't understand why, why they've come back again, but they aren't recording any new material. There's no new material to be recorded. All they've done is they've, they've reissued an old hits album and put one track on it, which I think is an ABBA track, and that's it. So these, so they brought them back. As I said yesterday, I can think of loads of other groups from the 60s that I'd rather see as opposed to Steps. No, they're not. They're, Noreen spends her life going to 60s shows, and they're all, you know, they're, they're proper people who sing and play instruments. Steps can't sing or play an instrument. They're, they can't dance. I mean, they, they were pretty ropey last time. Which was your favourite song? She liked Deeper Shade of Blue. It's dancey and the video was cool. It still stands up well after all these years. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It was a... It was a... I don't know, it was something... A deeper... Sh- I don't know, well, I can't remember how it went now. It was a ridiculous song. The best one was Tragedy, because that kind of summed up steps. You know, Tragedy, they were steps. H, they camp from Wales, you know, and going out with manager... And, and then he tried to launch himself in America. That died. And then, of course, I mean, the big mistake that Lisa Scott Lee did, she, she did a show, I think it was called The Scott Lees or something, whatever it was. It was, it was sheer pants, I'm afraid. And she said that if Electricity wasn't a top ten hit, she'd abandon her solo career. Thank 
God, music lovers everywhere rallied to the cause and didn't buy it, because it only got to number 13. And uh, and then she said, um, she said, the setup changed along the way, but I, I've had more positive... She did Dancing on Ice, I've forgotten about that. Who on earth is going to lift little Mo up? I've got no idea. Old Mo, Big Mo, they're never going to lift her up, are they? They're going to have to get a winch or something. Perhaps she could... F- that'd be quite funny, the flying. She'd look a bit like... She'd wear a little rah-rah skirt. Look a bit like Anne Widdicombe. Way Anne, those legs. Ooh, I tell you, what a hot babe. She's going to be at the um, at the Strictly Dancing thing because she's supporting Anton Dubeck, but she's not a fan of Nancy Delusional. She doesn't like Nancy Delusional at all. She says she never says anything. I thought, well, of course she doesn't because she's not she's not bright enough to say anything, you know. But I I I'm in love with myself, and I think the public like me. They don't. They hate you. They absolutely hate you. I'm I'm predicting that we're going to kick you out this week and take Tony Beak with you. Uh, we found another spy story. I was a bit excited by this. This is an MP uh, who's been having a four year affair with a Commons researcher. She must have discovered Max Clifford. I can see no other reason why this would hit the front pages. Her name is Ekaterina. And she targeted a 65-year-old, poor old MP. And for four years, they were um, they were having an affair. And she was getting secrets. And uh, they're also trying to deport her at the moment. And she doesn't want to be deported. As most people here don't want to be deported. You know, we, we try and kick them out. Murderers, rapists, people like that. And spies and people who are a danger to the country. And we can't get rid of them for love nor money. I don't know why. Perhaps it'd be easy if they moved into Dale Farm, because they'll never get rid of you there, will they? I predict by the end of the day we'll be in exactly the same situation, except the uh, the so-called anarchists, or otherwise known as the delusional time-wasters, mainly, you know, supported by mummy and daddy's money, uh, will be down there. They did a whole list of all the people uh, who were down there a short while ago. They had a, an infiltration by a film crew, and most of them were, you know, terribly well-spoken. You know, terribly, terribly well-spoken. It was a bit like watching, I don't know, Made in Chelsea which is all really terribly well-spoken, you know. I, li- I like it better than Essex, because in Essex, you just can't stand all the girls down there. Nobody can speak properly. And uh, and you can't stand Mark Wright. And, you, in fact, we don't like any of them. Joey Essex is just a complete and utter waste of space. I've never seen anything look so girly in my entire life. It was just embarrassing. But uh, But there is good news. Jason Orange and Catherine Tate are enjoying a secret romance. Well, there's a surprise for everybody. I mean, that would have to be the surprise relationship of all times. Jason Orange and Catherine Tate. A a friend says it's a very unlikely pairing. You can say that again. That is unbelievable. It's very sweet, but it's a very unlikely pairing, you know. I mean, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? X-Factor bosses have quietly dropped the claim that their winner will bag a million-pound contract because the act will need to shift four albums to hit seven figures. And it's very unlikely they will. So they, 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 they've sort of changed it. The winner will now get an advance of just £150,000 for their first album. OK? And I've said before, this is how it works. If you, if you look in America, they say the, the million-dollar prize is spread over 40 years. They're not stupid. They're not actually going to give away this much money. You'll be dead before you claim it. So they offer 150000 for your album, and it might cost 160000 to make it. By the time you've had... If, if it's a group... 150,000 on an album is going to go nowhere. It's very nice to see One One Direction looking like little sort of boy mannequins and all the rest of it. That's what they look like. Yeah, that's what they look like. No, they look like that. They're a little bit. There's a lot of makeup to cover the spots and all the other things that they're going through because they're little. They're just (coughs) adolescents who can't sing. I don't think anybody's ever heard them sing. We heard them sing a couple of times on the programme. It was so awful. People would go, please don't sing. Don't sing ever again. Mime, miming's good, but don't ever. Just be like steps. 
Which is good news. And I'd love to know if you think it's good news that Bob a Job Week's coming back. I'm not sure. I think it's in the best possible taste, but the sentiments could be there. But I think the price has gone up from the shilling it used to be. You know, clean the windows, take the rubbish out, give you a shilling, and that was Bob a Job. Nowadays, you know, I would, I would think it's probably a few pounds, at least. Quarter past five. <laughs> These are the headlines you're waking up to after weeks of legal action. The eviction of the UK's largest illegal traveller site is set to begin in the coming hours. Essex Council says the time for talking is over as bailiffs prepare to enter Dale Farm where travellers have used cars to barricade themselves in. The yearly check of the tax system finds millions of people could be getting cash back while a million others haven't paid enough. Six million of us could be getting as much as £300 back, while some people could be asked for another £600. And the Queen arrives in Australia later for an 11-day tour. While she's there, she'll be part of uh, a recording, breaking barbecue. She'll take a tram through Melbourne and a boat up the Brisbane River. Lucky lady. Let's have a check on the roads this morning. Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. A couple of things to bear in mind on the North Circular. Morning every Dale Farm Day, as it's going to be known, I think, in the business, because uh, all the journalists are assembling down there at the moment. What time the evictions start, I have no idea. But they've pushed cars there, because there's obviously loads of wrecked cars around there, for some reason. And I think there's a tank or something, and there's a lot of um, anarchists. For that read, a lot of people who don't really do very much but cost you a small fortune. As far as I'm concerned, the police have to go. I think the police are standing back because they will wait and see what happens. The moment somebody causes trouble, then the police can move in. But if it's just a straightforward eviction with bailiffs, and who's going to argue about They're generally built like brick outhouses, bailiffs. They're enormous. They'll be going in, but they will be identifiable. They'll have to have the word bailiff stamped on the back of their fluorescent jacket. And uh, the anarchists will have all their faces covered, lest their mummy and daddies realise they're not actually at Oxford and Cambridge today. They have, in fact, taken time out from their lectures to go down and throw bricks at the police, because that's what it will end up being. I mean, I cannot see it's going to be that straightforward. If I was them, I'd just go and, you know, if, if they're using a tank... Then Basildon Council, who appear to have wasted more money than God ever had in his lifetime, should just go and rent a tank for the day and drive it straight through the middle of it. But what do you do if they've put kids the other side, which is highly likely? I suppose you just have to wait and then go in there and just remove them. And there's going to be kicking and screaming, and there's going to be the usual kind of things, even though they have lost in the High Court their battle because they're there illegally. I couldn't care less whether they're pink, blue, mushroom... I don't care. I don't care where they come from. I'm not interested in their social history. I couldn't care. If somebody's there illegally, you are under the same rules as the rest of us. You do what you're told, and you'll learn today, because uh, I should imagine they'll be taking no prisoners at all. Very interesting, because I didn't realise the other day, and it was pointed out to me by Paul, that uh, Dear Seven on the coach trip and uh, John and the Booby... Uh, were, were departing. Thank God for that. A more revolting couple you'd be hard pushed to find anywhere. Not even good entertainment value anymore, uh, as the rest of the coach decided. So, um, did anybody else realise, says Paul, that the journalist from The Sun who talked about the show yesterday obviously reviewed it without even bothering to watch? Because they talked about Michael Barrymore taking part in the whitewater rafting. He didn't do it. But they reviewed it the day before, saying he did. And they said, and we thought he couldn't swim, exclamation mark, exclamation He didn't take part in it. He was in the hotel recovering after his injury. I mean, surely, says Paul, not too much to ask, that as a journalist on a national paper, they could actually get their facts right. All they probably saw was, tomorrow they'll be doing whitewater rafting. They'll be going, oh, Michael Barrymore. No, they didn't bother to, to, to check it. I've still got a, um, a Daily Star newspaper 
where the uh, the lacklustre TV critic completely... He, he couldn't be bothered to actually attend the National Television Awards, so he put down who he thought won, and, of course, it was the wrong person, but they splashed it on the front page. And then the following day, because they're bone-idle down there, they had to do a retraction and say, I'm terrified, he, he, he got it wrong. Because <laughs> he'd made it up. Anyway, uh, it was all very good indeed. Um, uh, the, put, they had two new passengers, Helen Lederer and uh, Sandra Dickinson, not Janet. Dickinson or Janice Dickinson. Remember Janice Dickinson? She's that peculiar one. Uh, Hel- Helen Ledra, we quite like actually. I like Helen Ledra. She's a bit kooky. Uh, Sandra Dickinson used to be married to the Doctor Who, Peter Dickinson as well. Uh, the two handbags were smitten and started a charm offensive, which the girls seemed to see through. This is the two little friends of Jordan. After a trip to Pisa, which Brian termed as not being very nice, but Brian Bellow said, it, it, I, don't, I don't understand what this is, he said, because he's, he's struggling with the language. It's a little, you know, he wasn't doing Italian, he was drunk English. And um, he said, it's just a tower that's like leaning over. He didn't understand it at all. How this man has ever made it to adulthood, God alone knows. They don't come any more thicker, unless you go to the only way is Essex, in which case you've got a whole programme of very, very stupid people. Uh, the handbags, realising that Michael was as ever hogging the limelight, decided to vote him out, resulting in a tie, which included Brian and Spe- Oh, the handbags are not very nice. They really aren't. They're not very nice at all. And so Michael and Maurice went. <whistles> Off they went. On Come Dine With Me, it was Moulin Rouge-themed night. And uh, Rafe, the slightly strange contestant from The Apprentice, was looking forward to an evening of High Camp. This from the poor soul who spent half the previous night with Wayne draped around him with his legs in the air. Yes, Rafe, Rafe is a slight worry, I'm afraid, for everybody. I think, to be honest with you, I don't think Rafe is all there in the brain department. I really don't think he is, because we had Wayne the other night force-feeding them figs with goat cheese and uh, pancetta, as if to prove the show doesn't run, and run, the contestant certainly would, because it was so powerful, this cheese. They were all going, Ugh. it was a little bit naff. Uh, Bobby turned up in a sparkling jacket. Rafe, bizarrely done up as a ringmaster and cracking a whip, appeared to be a cross between Barnum and Hercule Poirot on a very bad moustache day, because in the film Moulin Rouge... There is a ring... I, I watched the film. I didn't understand any of it. I thought... Baz Luhrmann at his absolute worst. It was just the biggest pile of dog's rubbish I've ever seen, I'm afraid. But uh, anyway, then Bobby, obviously worried about being a little bit upstate. Bobby Davra, very funny comedian and impressionist. Uh, he does do mainly gay characters, it has to be said. And um, disappeared to the dressing-up cupboard to put a frock on. And with, with no underwear... It was all a little bit bizarre, I'm afraid, but uh, we'll wait and see where it goes today, shall we? Because I'm sure it'll go somewhere. Out the window, I should imagine. Uh, memo to Stacey Giggs from Jane Moore, who, along with her uh, cravenly hypocritical husband, Ryan, hurled foul mouth abuse at his stunned sister-in-law, Natasha, in the street. I mean, the foul words that emanated from Stacey. Small wonder lovey cheated on you. If that's what you like on the street, God knows what you like at home. I've never heard language like it. They, they literally, both of them, were slagging off Natasha, who had an eight-year affair, you remember, with Ryan. Not a one-night stand, an eight-year affair, obviously proving that Stacey ain't up to much in the bedroom department either. But the language that came out, and Jane Moore says, um, she says, um, she's starting to look, this is Natasha who had the affair, starting to look a lot classier and more intelligent than Stacey Giggs. Wouldn't take much to be more intelligent than Stacey Giggs. You know, children on the street in this foul-mouthed tirade. Shouldn't you be doing it at your husband, love? You know, don't have to point out the patently obvious, but being a wag obviously means that, you know, you're know, all there in the brain department. And another memo, this time from Jane Moore and me and everybody else, Tamara Eccleston, daughter of Formula One billionaire Bernie, 
photographed naked with just a million pounds of cash she had lying around in the house, in the safe. I'll just check and see how much we've got in the safe, she said. She says such imagery is vulgar at the best of times, but when millions of people are feeling the bite of a recession, perhaps someone should advise this silly girl to use some of her father's hard-earned money on better PR advice. Couldn't agree more. Silly, silly little Tamara Eccleston. Silly, silly, vacuous little girl. Little bit like... Little bit like uh, Prince Andrew and, uh, and his, uh, his ex-wife's daughters. He's given them royal status so that they get the bodyguards and everything else. What he should have done is kick them into touch and made sure they got out there and actually worked for a living. Because at the moment, they're just a drain, I'm afraid. And not a very good drain at the best of times. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And just to really annoy you this morning, the NHS has written off a load of money for people who come over here on what they call the hospital planes. They arrive and then they go... Oh, I think I'm pregnant, I'm going to have a baby. Because they get it all done here and then they move into the country and we can't get rid of them forever and a day. And, or they arrive in and they go, I've actually got cancer, so I need to be taken to a hospital very quickly. My, my advice would be, you turn them round, sit them back on a plane and send them straight back where they came from. But we don't. We faff around like, you know, good people. How much has the NHS written off? How much less will the NHS have to spend this year? Uh, about £50 million. Because when they, when they kick them out... Um, they're asked for, you know, a bit of no, no, no money. And so we, ju- we just treat people. We just treat them. You know, which is laudable. It's very good. But unfortunately, they don't live here. These are people who just turn up on the planes. It's like the people who turn up and rip all their, uh, their sort of papers up and everything else. And then it turns out that when they do find some of the papers they have actually got because they want to go home and take some of their ill-gotten gains with them, it turns out to be fake papers. You can't win, can you? It's a no-win situation. The only thing you can win with at the moment is the fact that it's getting colder. It's notice- I nearly put a scarf on today. Nearly, nearly put a scarf on, but I didn't. A big, a big woolly one. Oh, sorry. And I decided I, I, I did sort of drape it, and I didn't because oh, I've, I've got a thing about scarves, and I've got quite a number of uh, scarves, quite a number of, of nice scarves. And I, I put, I thought it's a bit too early. I'm resisting putting the heating on. I haven't put the heating on yet. I've sort of kept away from that. I'm thinking, no, wait till it really gets cold. Wait till you wake up in the morning and there's frost on the inside of the window. At the moment, don't bother doing it because it's just going to cost an awful lot of money. I know my tummy is often rumbling today. Isn't that funny? Are you starving? Oh, dear. Perhaps we could eat beans on toast or something like that. Tomatoes on toast. Oh, and, and just as I predicted on this programme, Cara Toynton, it'll be a case of, well, who can I grab onto at the moment? She is uh, split from Artem. Chigvetsev, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, because uh, he's dancing at the moment with uh, with somebody on Strictly Come Dancing. I don't know who it is. Uh, oh, Holly Valance. And, and unfortunately, Cara Toynton, who's a little bit jealous of anybody who hogs the limelight, says, wait a minute, you're my boyfriend. He's dancing professionally, dear, on a show. Get over yourself, OK? You don't have a great track record. It's not looking promising this time round. It's LBC 97.3. Very chirpy this morning. It's 5.30. Morning, everybody. Nice heavy company. What we need now is some hot coffee. Hot roasted coffee would be lovely. Uh, the only way is Essex newcomer, Mario Falcone. It looks like he's an extra, I'm afraid, from The Godfather and not doing it very... I love the way they all try and look hard. And they're, they're just giant powder puffs, these people. Uh, tonight he has a heated row with his ex, who's called Perry Sinclair. Is that a woman? Perry Sinclair. What a funny word. Perry, P-E-R-I. As in Perry Perry Chicken, I suppose. And uh, because uh, 
She implies he only hooked up with Lucy Mecklenburg to become the top boy in Essex. She's as thick as a brick. I've no idea. I should look at the picture of Lucy Mecklenburg from, from ages ago in the Daily Star, because that's about the only paper that ever featured the poor old soul, because she's glamour model. And, um, and, and, and then you hear her talking and you realise she is dim. She is... I've never met so many people who represent Essex so badly. It's so awful. Anyway, uh, Nanny... Nanny Pat is in the paper. She, she went round and had it out with somebody. She's turning into a vile old pensioner. This one is, I tell you. Handbags at dawn for Nanny Pat. Cut down on the smoking, love. Don't give yourself a heart attack. You're in your 70s. You want to try and make it to the next series, don't you? I'm sure we'd all love to see you in the next... Well, perhaps not everybody, but a few people. Uh, Lulu has called in Darren Brown to help her remember her Strictly Come Dancing routines. Don't know why. They said TV hypnotist Darren Brown. He's not really a hypnotist, Darren Brown. He's a magician. Isn't he? He's, a, he's, a, he's not really a hypnotist. He might be doing something in his new show, which will sort of... But, I mean, there are other people, aren't there, who do things like that? Other people. X-Factor bosses have hit the roof after emerged the contestants' house could be shut down. Apparently, council chiefs said the mansion fails fire safety and building regulations. Well, it probably would if you're using it for the purpose of a TV programme, because it then becomes a set, doesn't it? And if it's a set, they've got to make sure that they've they've actually got you know, all the right things in place, like everyone else has. We're absolutely rammed up to our rafters here with fire this, fire that. I'm thinking, this studio, have I got one, two? I've got two fire points in here, and they're all over the place. And uh, almost half of motorists who should have been banned are still on the road, some with up to 32 points. I find it absolutely unbelievable. But nobody, the, the, there aren't any police out there to actually stop people. And if they do it this time of the morning, why would you want to? You're coming off shift very shortly. There's some... Oh, no, the paperwork. We'll have to do the paper. That's all it is now. That's why the police cannot do their, their job properly. Ask any police officer or woman, and they will tell you it's the stupid paperwork that they've got to fill in. If you could leave it to somebody else... I'm telling you, right, you're arrested. We call this number. Here's the van. They take you in. They do the paperwork. Great. We'd have full prisons all over the place. But uh, well done to Her Majesty the Queen. She's finally done something that we've, we've said for years she should have done, because in, in Buckingham Palace, they're what's commonly known as tight. They don't pay the proper wages. They underpay everybody. They are really, really bad payers. And so now, the, uh, the cleaners who are earning £6.45 an hour have clinched a deal to take them to £7.50 an hour. That's what the cleaners get for cleaning up after all the things here. And um, a spokesman for Buckingham Palace says, uh, we are very pleased that an increase in the hourly rate has been made possible. So they've gone from £6.45 to £7.50 an hour. All they'll do is cut their hours down, <laughs> and so they'll end up paying the same amount of money. That's what they do, because they are very badly paid. Ask anybody who's ever worked for the, uh, for the royal family. They don't pay good money. They really don't pay good It's supposed to be an honour that you work for the royal family, which is probably great. But unfortunately, most people would rather have the money at the end. That's what people are doing jobs for, especially if you're cleaning. You know, you would want to actually go out there and earn some some decent money. Uh, for the, uh, I think for the third time, actually, uh, B&Q have been named Britain's worst online store. Advertising stuff they haven't had in stock for ages. They're just bad service. Merci bien. Merci. Should we save the cups, do you think? I don't know. Do want... No, probably no, you're right. Actually. No, OK. It doesn't matter. Oh, dear. Barbara Streisand met uh, Jennifer Aniston the other day. 
And actually, you'd never know Barbara Streisand was 67. She looked fantastic for 67. Absolutely fantastic. I liked her, her concert in Vegas. I thought that was very good. I've, I've watched that a few times. A little bit predictable. She can't hold the notes as long as uh, you know she could before. Who cares? She's 67. Barbara Streisand. Uh, and well done to Taiwanese-born Sonia Yang. Sonia Yang is 10 years old. What is her claim to fame? She speaks different languages. She can speak ten languages fluently, including, you know, English, Chinese and Japanese. She learnt Ugandan in a few weeks. I mean, some people have a gift for learning languages. That's why when you watch The Only Way is Essex or Jeff Brazier, you suddenly realise that, or Jordan, some people can't even master their own language. Every time I listen to poor, poor Jeff Brazier struggling through the language, I think to myself, he'll never be able to read an auto cue. He's just hopeless. I don't know what language he's speaking, but it's nothing I've ever heard before. But uh, she, she says, English is definitely my favourite. But she says it gets easier with each language you learn. If only that were true. If only that were true. We're, we're terrible at learning languages in this country. Terrible, terrible, terrible people at learning languages. Uh, other stories of the paper today. The Facebook rioters, they uh, appealed in the High Court uh, over their lengthy jail sentences, and they were turned down. This is uh, Perry Sutcliffe-Keenan and Jordan Blackshaw. Uh, they were jailed, I think, for four years each, and so they went because they, they'd incited riots. They'd advised people to go and join and everything else, so quite rightly they were sent to prison for four years. No, Popsikins, you stay there, OK? The country doesn't want you back. Nobody wants you back at all. And so they're going to stay there. They have rejected five appeals against sentences by looters and cut jail terms for three who handled stolen goods. Lord uh, Judge said the lawlessness was wholly inexcusable. There was a judge the other day, he had to, before he sentenced this, this woman, he said, I have to have a recess of 15 minutes, he said, because I don't want to sentence her while I'm feeling so angry. What did this woman do that made the judge absolutely furious? She, um, she beat her child up. She blinded her tot, who is now in a hospice, is, is brain damaged. This, this piece of filth called Kaylee Searle was told by the judge she lacked basic humanity. She slammed her three-month-old son's head against a door. I mean, you cannot imagine what mentally ill person would do that to somebody. I, I, I couldn't imagine yesterday, as we all discovered, that person who threw a cat against a door, a 19-year-old cat, and killed it. You know, I want to do the same to them. I want to do the same to them. And I would like to do the same to Kaylee Searle. I would like to take her up in an aircraft over the Atlantic, open the door and just push her out together with a load of other people. She admitted cruelty, GBH and perverting the course of justice. I mean, it, it's just absolutely... A, you cannot imagine how anybody could ever do that. You know, either she's drunk or she needs sorting... What, where are these people's parents? Don't they learn anything... Do they learn nothing in life? Do they know nothing about anything? Small wonder people just go out and people shoplift now because they can't be bothered to buy it and the shops don't bother doing anything. So you and I pay for it. So the more, the more people shoplift and coming up to Christmas, you know, every shop... I, I can spot them a mile off. I'm brilliant at shoplifting. I can see by the way people are behaving. You know, they walk around, walk around, walk around, walk around, walk around, and then walk straight out the back door. I've seen them doing it all the time. I watch it, I watch it almost on a daily basis. Actually, I'm sure they thought I was shoplifting the other day. I went in there and I bought... What did I buy? I might have bought... Oh, I bought a newspaper. So I picked it up from Marks and Spencer's and the security guard looked at me. So, of course, I always smile. 
You know, I think perhaps he's a listener, I don't know. And as I walked round, he crossed over the front of the store to make sure I was standing in the queue with my newspaper. Which I thought, well, at least he's doing his job, because while he was watching me, two people walked straight out the back with a load of meat, so there you go. Uh, other stories today. Oh, licorice pills can cut hot flushes in menopausal women by 80%. Whether that's Bertie Bassett licorice, I don't know. But licorice pills, apparently an extract called licogen also appears to slow down the rate at which bones get thinner and so cuts the chances of osteoporosis. What a brilliant idea. Because I used to blush all the time. I was the world's worst. When I was younger, I used to blush. I don't know why. And the more somebody would say to me, you're going bright red, the worse you got. And I know still some people suffer from it now. And they absolutely hate it because you know when when you're going bright red. And I can't remember what it was over. It was always... You know, ridiculous. Always ridiculous. And uh, that you sort of sit there. And I remember going... I used to work at this department store. And on the first day I joined, and I knew I was going to have trouble with it because I used to blush at school. And you know when you're sort of young and you've got little white cheeks and then they go bright red? You look like you're on fire. And I went up to the canteen. My friend Dave Maskelson has come up to the canteen. And he, he'd been there, so he was fairly confident. He knew everybody. And I was like, new boy. And all the chairs, supposed to being at tables, uh, they were all round the outside of the walls. It was like it was like sitting in on something, and the canteen bit was at the end, and they had cheese and pickle rolls. Or I, was, I always remember cheese and pickle rolls and a cup of tea. And I stupidly ordered something to eat, thinking I'm never going to be able to eat this because I'm going to get a, a mouthful, and then I'm going to go bright red. And, and so I'm sitting there on the chair, and then and everybody's looking at you because you're new, and you're thinking, oh, make them all go away. And then of course more people came, and they all sit there. And then somebody said something to me, and I went bright red. And then somebody goes, oh, you've gone bright red in a loud voice, which makes it worse. Because by this time, you can practically fry an egg on your cheeks. For those of you who suffer from sort of high, high red cell counts, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's awful. It's awful. It was terrible. And in the end, I had to say, I've just got to go to the toilet. Anything to get out. I did get better. I did get better. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Steve, we used to watch executions. Now we have X Factor, if only they executed at the end. If only, it would be lovely. Tragedy was the worst cover version ever. Oh, did you think so? It's only because I liked the song. I liked the song. Mind you, I like oh, th- another one. They didn't do it. It was covered by somebody from, might have been the X Factor. I follow my heart. As far as the eye can see, your sacred trust in me. Sacred trust. I like that, but it killed the the group Stone Dead, I'm afraid. And the return of Bob a Job Week, Steve, is a good thing in today's world that's almost devoid of decency and morality. Well, not all the time. You know, there are nice people in the world. There are, you know, good things going up. But you're right, actually. You kind of fear for the for the Boy Scouts going out there, going Bob a Job. Depends on whose house you call on, I suppose, really. Um, lots of... Oh, Sally Morgan giving you psychic talk today. More crackpot advice from the woman who speaks to the other side. So she says she can't prove it. And uh, she talks here about... Uh, uh, I'm starting to wonder what it's all about, writes Pat. I don't sleep very well and have recurring dreams and nightmares every night and suffer from depression. I'm not really into psychic talk, but I'm looking for any help. So she's written to well-known old crackpot Sally Morgan, who says to her... Although I felt very sad from reading your letter, it was actually quite refreshing that you're aware of your own problems. Normally it's a loved one or friend that contacts me on behalf of the person who's suffering. Admitting and understanding you're in a bad place is the first step to improving. And then she goes on with more psychobabble. It's true. Although not as much psychobabble, and it's not the first time this has appeared in the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail have a question section. 
And people write right in and say, I've actually got a, a question for you. And then they write back, I have to read you the question written in to the Daily Mail and then the answer. Because if you can make head nor tail of it, I shall be calling you later because I've got no idea what they're talking about here. You'll discover more after the news. It's quarter to six. <laughs> These are the headlines. After weeks of legal arguments, residents on the UK's largest illegal traveller site are preparing for Basildon Council to carry out its eviction. Protesters at Dale Farm in Essex have built barricades and wedged three vehicles behind the entrance of the settlement in a last-ditch bid to keep the bailiffs away. The former Defence Secretary, Liam Fox, is expected to make a personal statement to Parliament later after a critical report into his activities with close friend Adam Werity. It's thought Labour will pressure David Cameron to also make a statement about the affair, claiming there's a raft of questions left unanswered. And schools are being encouraged to introduce hospital-style checklists aimed at improving discipline in the classroom. It could see teachers displaying school rules as well as using rewards and punishments for good and bad behaviour in class and telling parents if a child has been naughty. Let's have a check on the state of the road, shall we? Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Not a bad start at all, I'm pleased to say. If you are heading north... Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. So, Nanny Pat kicking off in the only way is Essex. I'm not until now. She just stands there ironing for Mark. And, uh, and the mother, they all look like they smoke about 500 fags a day. Not at all to be recommended. Uh, John says, uh, my come dine with me is on telly on Saturday. Will you be watching? It's the Brighton one. It involves me being chucked out. We remember this one. We remember this. We, we remember the, uh, the being chucked out bit. Actually, I must... Have, now, somebody explained this, this question. Every so often, people write in to the Daily Mail with a question, you know, like, you know how old is Steve Allen? And they come back with, you know, Steve Allen is 37 uh, or 38, depending on, you know, it's going down. I've decided to go backwards. I'm just doing it minus the VAT. So the question is, to the Daily Mail, are there any gay characters in the Star Wars universe? Okay, that's the question. You have to remember this. It's very important because I haven't quite, I haven't quite got the answer on this one. Are there any gay characters in the Star Wars universe? And back comes the answer. The previous answer referred to a Dr. Spock, although Mr. Spock is seen in the first film, Star Trek The Motion Picture, and the latest, Star Trek II, declining the chance of high Vulcan academic honours in order to live among humans. The character never achieved the accolade of Doctor. Dr. Benjamin Spock is an eminent paediatrician whose work in the fields of child psychology and physiology influenced countless parents in the years since World War II. As such, he spent his entire life earthbound. I'm not sure whether he was a Star Trek fan, but I'm fairly certain he never appeared in any episodes, unlike Stephen Hawking, who appeared in Star Trek The Next Generation. The question was, are there any gay characters in the Star Wars... What the heck are they writing? What driv- This is the second time I've read a question, and the answer bears no relation to it. What's- What are they saying? Are they saying that Stephen Hawking, Benjamin Spock, and Mr. Spock are, in fact, all gay characters, or they're not gay? I mean, it becomes so ludicrous after a while. Are there any gay characters in the Star Wars uniform? Nobody's got the faint- Who edits that paper? What an idiot! Check it, for goodness sake. Not the first time we've had uh, issues over that. It seems to occur on a- on a fairly regular basis. Uh, Tamara Eccleston, writes Junior. Billion dollar girl coming to Channel 5 soon. I mean, he says, how much garbage do we have to put up with before we reach for the off button? On Channel 5, fairly, fairly quickly. Most of it is, in fact, rubbish, I'm afraid. It really is. It's, it's just low-rent television. Uh, 84850. Steve from Hot and Sunny Thailand, listening to the show Cheers Me Up. I used to do Bob a job. I was a bad boy because I was not a Boy Scout. 
Ha-ha. <laughs> yes, lots of people did that. They just put the uniform on and went knocking on people's doors. Uh, 84850. I was interested on that book you mentioned earlier in the show, uh, the author of it, about the Tower of London. Yes, this is the, um, the book which is called... Wait a minute. I've got to remember now. I can't remember the, the, the bloke's name who wrote it. Somebody just wrote to me about it. So I'm glad you've, you've mentioned it, because it's very good. Yeah, Nigel Jones... Uh, because he talks about all sorts of things, including the murder of the two princes, because in 16-something, they were excavating a staircase in one of the towers, which was only used by royalty, and they dug down, and they uncovered a box, and in the box were two skeletons, uh, which had the remnants of clothes, and having analysed them, uh, in future years, they discovered that they were clothes which only would have been worn by royalty. So they deduced that they were the bodies of the two boy princes, one of whom was 13 and the other, I think, was seven or eight. They were smothered and then their bodies were disposed of. And that's where they think they were. I think they, they were buried in St. Peter Advincula, where it seems most people were buried. If you actually go to the Tower of London, I love it. I love it there. But now we we discovered in this book that due to recent research, the scaffold was in a slightly different place and the axe was none too sharp. That's why they used to bring over swordsmen from France to do the executions, because they at least used to keep their weapons well sharpened. And they would hide them under the straw. They used to hide them under the straw so that the person, you know, come, as, as if, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to be falling apart anyway, aren't you, I'm assuming. And they, they did used to say, look, I'll give you a shilling or two shillings or three. Just, just make sure that you do it properly. We don't want to be hacked away, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Gary Lineker, the dreary Gary Lineker. I don't know why I think Gary Lineker's dreary. There's something about him. I don't know what it is. Can't quite put my finger on it. It's perhaps because, you know, he's got an idiot son who they would try to fix up with girls in nightclubs, which looked a bit stupid, I'm afraid. And uh, he's now revealed that he writes cheesy love poems for his wife, Danielle. Oh, dear. Always a little bit of a worry. Uh, off to the wilds of Buckinghamshire today is our Noreen Amersham to meet a long-lost second cousin, last seen 1962. Please wish Carrie a brilliant time in Istanbul. That's not Constantinople. And say hello to Lindy, a big fan of yours. Carrie is coming to the Mermaid. Woo-woo-woo. And I do love the story, which was sent in by Ivor. And it's the story of the two British traffic patrol officers from North Berwick, East of Edinburgh who were involved in an unusual incident whilst checking for speeding motorists on the A1, the Great North Road. One of the officers, who is not named in this report, was using a handheld radar device to check the speed of a vehicle approaching over the crest of a hill and was surprised when the speed was recorded at over 300 miles an hour. The machine then stopped working and the officers were not able to reset it. The radar had in fact locked on to a NATO tornado fighter jet over the North Sea, which was engaged in a low-flying exercise over the Borders District. Back at police headquarters, the chief constable fired off a stiff complaint to the RAF liaison office. Back came the reply in true laconic RAF style. Thank you for your message, which allows us to complete the file on this incident. You may be interested to know that the tactical computer in the tornado had automatically locked onto your hostile radar equipment and sent a jamming signal back to it. Furthermore, the Sidewinder air-to-ground missile aboard the fully armed aircraft had also locked onto the target. 
Fortunately, the Dutch pilot flying the tornado responded to the missile status alert intelligently and was able to override the automatic protection system before the missile was launched. You can imagine, they're there. Oh, it's logged this car's 300 miles an hour. What the hell's that you can imagine, can't you? It would be, it would be like a scene out of, out of Star Wars or something like that. And uh, Junior again... He says, I watched Celeb Coach Trip. You made it sound very funny, but it's not. Lizzie Cundy, thick as a brick. Oh, just ghastly. Just ghastly. I'm ever so sorry. And uh, Yvonne says, missing you now big time in the process of saving the podcasts for the next week's holes. You're off to the Maldives with me. It's nice. I've never been to the Maldives. I'm looking forward to going there. It'll be nice. Looking forward to that. I shall get, get my sun cream out and I shall be all there with you. Incidentally, uh, we're going to be recording the uh, the Christmas advent calendar with the help of our friends at angels aren't we mark we're going to be doing that and he's he's lined up a load of costumes for us to put on uh that you're also dressing up popsykins i think you're dressing up as a fairy helper i think you i think you will be and uh, anyway so i'll drag her up there screaming and i was trying to work out because presumably i'm gonna i wonder if if um if our man adrian can superimpose numbers i should be sort of holding number one it'll be for the first of december so we'll 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 let you know nearer the time, okay? And uh, and a poem this morning, which came from Michael Dennis, the Black Cab poet. Uh, this one's called Irrelevant Reverence. Okay, they're never very long. It goes: The press and Pippa Middleton discuss. Quite frankly, I don't understand the fuss. She courts attention wherever she goes, paparazzi and eligible bows. Because her sister wed the future king, in newspapers it's currently the thing to chronicle each pipper-graced event to a frenzied and overblown extent. Each day there's photos in the national press of her wearing some figure-hugging dress, a vest and skimpy shorts out on a run, a bikini when basking in the sun. Okay, I grant you, she's no plain Jane, but at the same time, could you please explain this interest, extensive coverage of one whose beauty just tops average? Let's, for a moment, sit back and take stock. Her sister's wedding, where she wore that frock. The moment when this woman showed her class. Is this preoccupation with her arse? Tabloids bombard us everywhere we turn. Subject us to her saccharine sweet gurn. It seems that fame's through association titillates the press's fascination. Their time and effort wasted is immense. It beggars all belief and common sense. Compared with other goings-on out there, whatever she gets up to, do we care? It is true, isn't it? It's every day. Every day there is something in the papers uh, about Pippa Middleton. And, uh, and thank you to, uh, to lovely Paul Savory, who says health is merely the slowest possible rate at which one can die. Have you noticed, he said, since everybody has a phone camera these days, no one talks about seeing UFOs like they used to. And that's what I've always said, you know, because we've now got such perfect cameras that can take really good pictures. So we haven't had a good UFO picture for ages because it's difficult to be, without somebody saying... It looks to me like it's polystyrene hanging on a piece of thread, or failing that it's a light in the street that's been taken from a, a different a different angle. And he says here, why is there a light in the fridge and not in the freezer part? I agree. Have you tried seeing it? You, I have to take a torch into the freezer. Well, it's in there somewhere. And I've got some. I only keep DVDs in the freezer. I haven't got any food at all. Nothing food. Nothing for... I, I was, do you know, I got a craving the other day, but anyway, more of that later. And uh, I did... I had a craving for strudel again. I don't eat a whole one. I just eat a, a piece of it and then put the rest in the fridge. And then I get worried because I watched a programme on the television about a model 
and she was in America, uh, sorry, in Paris. She was sharing a house, because a lot of models go and live in Paris, and she said that what they used to do, she said, uh, if they had a big show coming up, they would go out and buy some prawns. They would go and buy fresh prawns, and they would put them on the windowsill, and they would leave them for eight days. She said, at the end of the eight days, we would eat them, thus making them violently ill. She said, but we would lose eight pounds, and we would look fantastic. Have you... I'd never heard of it. I heard of two models in America, twins, who, in an effort to lose weight, locked themselves in a flat. They were locked in from the outside, and the only food they had with them was baby food. And they existed on baby... I think they ended up modelling for Hugh Hefner. The things that people will do to lose weight... Anyway, yesterday we talked about mummification. Jonathan Levi joins us after the news, which is next on 97.3. On FM, online and digital radio. Morning, everybody. Wednesday morning in London town. It's cold. It's going to get colder. It's about 11 degrees. Uh, at the moment, it's 6. It'll probably rise to about 11 a little bit later on. Kitty Brooknell is in the paper today, who actually hasn't got a bad singing voice. Just the rest of her looks so odd. But she's been offered by a Dubai millionaire £300,000 to fly out there and, um, and do a sexy performance for this businessman, which is very nice. Jonathan Levi's here. Nobody's ever offered Jonathan £300,000 for a sexy performance. No, but these Russian oligarchs and Arab billionaires and shakes and things do have a lot of money for their sort of 21st... Yes. Birthday parties for their daughters, cloud seeding and and flying over famous DJs for birthday parties and things. Yes. You can get a lot of money in the private sector in that way, can't you? Lots yeah, who was it was offered? Things. Was it George Michael was offered a million and went yeah. to do a, a, a concert for a million or something? Yeah, well, uh, Mark Ronson, I think, was offered a million dollars to Good go and Lord. play at an oligarch. I am eminently concert. available to fly to Dubai at a moment's notice. Yeah, me too. Giving my e- exotic strip act. <laughs> An X Factor favourite, Craig Colton, has confirmed he is gay. Big surprise there. Yes. He apparently came out after um, uh, boy band New Vibe called him a very rude word. And uh, well, they also used the jibe on fellow contestant Marcus Collins, who was told of his sexuality on the show. Craig says last night, I've never hidden my sexuality. Not really that easy to do it when you're that camp, I'm afraid, Craig. But uh, he says, New Vibe are my best mates. Wasn't New Vibe? Well, aren't they awful? They're all dreadful. I they mean, can't really sing dreadful. Toffee. Really yeah. dreadful. And the guy they were up against, I thought, was even worse. Yes, he was terrible. But he was he was kept. I mean, there's something odd about him. I don't mind the fact that he's got sort of a bad hairstyle, <coughs> but it just doesn't suit him. No, well, it just he seems looks so derivative and copycat and silly, doesn't it? Yes, no. it, it looks like somebody it's has a really literally fashion silly look. Yes, and he's a very silly person. Too many people look like that for too long. Yes. Well, perhaps he'll perhaps he'll sort of disappear. Yeah. Because most of them will n- new vibe. I mean, if they seriously think they've got a career going, forget it now, boys. Well, then, I said to him, you better find a job that you can do, and singing is not it. No. Um, but that's, I think, why people weren't so happy, really, ratings-wise, on Saturday. Because it's just a bit stupid, isn't it? At least somebody should be good in the elimination. You yeah. know, they can't both be worse than each other. You, c- you shouldn't really be watching X Factor on Saturday night thinking, they're both so bad, how can they choose? You know, I watched terrible. another thing where they all seem to come together. I might have been watching an old programme, and I'm thinking... This isn't them singing. There was one point where there was a group singing, and it might have been New Vibe or another group, where the over-singing was so loud it drowned out any attempt at singing that the band on stage appeared to be doing. Yeah. And I got a bit confused by what they're allowed to do with the overlays and how good they're allowed to make somebody... Because when you've got, you know, 20 backing singers singing the 
the thing for them. And then you've got the boy band standing there. They like, like new, one one direction. They actually believe that they can sing, yeah. whereas they can't sing for Toffee. No, not Toffee. But with all the overlays, it makes it sound as though they can. So they put it all into being cheesy and sort of, you know, fancying the girls and, you know, trousers halfway down their bottoms and things like that. Yeah, no, Which true. I suppose is all they're worried about nowadays. All they've got to do is shift albums. That's, that's what they're in the business of. The moment they don't shift albums is the moment they're all out. No, it's quite true. And they disappear. And then what happens to them? And the answer is, because they're not musicians... They, they can't do anything. Well, it's not about them anyway, is it, really? The individual. No, but they think it is. Yeah. They have books written about them. They've got autobiographies. I mean, everybody's got an autobiography out. They do. Brendan yeah. from Coach Trip's got an autobiography out. Oh, has he? Well, I'd that, quite like to read be it, but to be honest, popular. he's only ever done Coach Trip. Yeah. That's. It'll be all his adventures being a tour guide, I suppose. But to be honest with you, it's not really enough. Brendan's not from Coach Trip. It's a bit like um, Kevin MacLeod on Grand Designs. You can sort of track these people's ages by watching. Because yes. they're also repeated, all these shows. They've been going on for so long. You know, mm. Brendan used to have short, dark hair, didn't he, right at the beginning? Yes. But I, I just love the comment that he gave to the Loose Women the other day. He said he didn't know who any of the celebrities were. <laughs> <laughs> he said that they turn up. He said, I don't know who they are. Because he lives, I think, in Marbella or Malaga or something like that, because he's been a tour guide. Yeah. And... Um, and he's obviously very good at what he does, but he 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 meets these people who are quite awful. Yeah, he's a good character to have found for a show like that. Yes, very good. They were very really lucky. Crucial. At one time, we we spoke to him on the phone ages and ages ago, and um, they weren't sure if they were going to do another series. But I thought, yes, as long as you find the right people. But th- this time round, they're a little bit thin in the celebrity department. No, it's true. Um, so, but, but Sandra Parsons in the Daily Mail saying Strictly is dancing all over the X Factor. It's a bit misleading, really, because Strictly Come Dancing isn't beating the X Factor in the ratings. It's just that people were watching it for a bit before they switched over. Yes. Overall, X Factor still gets far more viewers. Yes, it, it is, I think, the most Watch successful television programme, isn't it? Yeah. So, it's just more people... Both shows... Well, it's down a bit from last year, I think, X Factor, but it's still doing incredibly well. Yeah. Strangely enough, Celebrity Big Brother uh, is still going, even though nobody can be watching. It's the non-celebrity no, sorry, it's the non- one, non-celebrity. Yeah. But it, the Celebrity Big Brother king, Paddy Doherty, who apparently was a bare-knuckle fighter, whoopsie boy, and um, he, he's going to go back in the house to make a return, and he's going to shock them with a royal visit. He's going to beat them up or tarmac the place. I mean, no-one's watching it at all, are they? No, it's... It's it's not even really being written about that much in Richard Desmond's newspaper. No, I find that odd as well. I think he's obviously gone, listen, it's not... It's not doing the business. But, and this this is why, they've got here other... The latest batch of wannabes... Uh, there's a red carpet rolled outside the Big Brother house and run straight through the place. And uh, Channel 5 bosses invited a host of stars to attend. Wait for the list of stars, ladies and gentlemen, OK? Mm. They include Imogen Thomas. Oh. <laughs> We've scraped the barrel for this one. Famous Celebrity Big Brother star, Michelle Heaton. Right. Dane Bowers. Oh, this is literally unbelievable. This is an un- well, It gets worse. Katie Price's pals, Gary Cochran and his handbag, Phil Turner. You've really scraped the barrel on this one. And fashion guru Lauren Harris. Lauren Harris was that peculiar so-called gifted child who turned up pretending to be an antique stealer and had no such talent whatsoever That's, and now has had a sex change. That's the boy with the bow tie? Yes. On the, uh, the, then turned into a woman? Turned into a woman called Lauren, mm. as peculiar as ever was. Yeah, Mind yeah. you, the whole family very, are barking mad, I'm afraid. But, uh, and, and, that's, and that's the best that they, they can manage for celebrities on Channel 5. Boy, this is terrible. I mean, you would think, actually, that, uh, that the two handbags, Gary and Phil, would do the, the decent thing and stay at home that evening, perhaps wash their hair or something. Yeah. Dreadful line-up. Absolutely dreadful. A new low. A new low, I think, in, in television. Doesn't take much, does it? Quarter past six. 
News headlines, Sam Pittis. Good morning, Steve's bailiffs are expected to move into the country's... Want to get hold of our reporter, Dan Friedman, who's down at uh, Dale Farm at the moment. Not sure if he drove down there and his car's now in a barricade. We'll find out later. It's a bit like Les Miserables, isn't it, really? Yeah. Sort of, but all that the bailiffs will have to do, I'm assuming, is go round the, the back. back. I mean, they fortified the front with a couple of vehicles and no doubt a bunch and a of tank. human shields. A tank. And a tank. Yes. But they, they can't fortify the entire perimeter. Oh, well, I wouldn't have thought so either. And they wouldn't have um, ground-to-air ground missiles, would they? They could attack from the air. I don't think they're going to be dropping people in by parachute, if that's what you mean. Could they not go in in the dead of the night, down on ropes? Well, to be honest with you, I don't know why they don't go in at night. Why leave it till the daytime? Bailiffs work any night. old time. Yeah. You know, flood the place with lights, keep them awake all night at the back, and then they, they won't be able to go to sleep. Then the moment they go to sleep, you go in. Yeah. Simple as that. Water cannon. Well, as you heard in that, yes, water cannon could be a great... Well, they've spent... 22 million up until now. Water cannon probably a cheap option. Yeah. Now, as you heard in the news, campaigners are going to the Court of Appeal to try and halt the cuts to local library services. Now, I don't know about any of you listening at the moment. I wonder whether you still use your local library. I mean, apart from borrowing books, what else do they provide? I mean, are, are they a, a lifeline in the local community? Are they important to your community? I'd love to know if you use the local library. I, myself, have not used a library for ages because... I, I like buying books. And I don't buy a huge amount of books. I'll hear about a book and I'll mention it on the programme and then rapidly they all sell out because everybody's thinking, well, if Steve's bought it, I must, I must go and buy this book because I buy factual books and, uh, and I like autobiographies and stuff like that. So, do you think that libraries serve a useful purpose or should we just get rid of them because they cost money and you could get, get rid of all the books, they, they could actually sell them all off. 84850 LBC 973. Do you use your local library? Or do you not? Do let me know. 84850 LBC 973. Do you use a library? Well, the, the, you are local library, the one that's actually on our road. It is used for singing groups and rhyme time and little kids things. You see, the kids, the kids, the kids enjoy going there. because they always have a little, little chair a section. section. Yes. What's striking about <coughs> local me. libraries from my childhood to now is how few, many fewer books there are than there used to be. Which because is too expensive. Because people don't really go there for just the books anymore. On mm. the whole, I mean, most of the, the local library, most of it's um, internet terminals. Yes. And people well, go and use the internet because they don't have it at home. Well, but everybody complains as well. I mean, I, I, I'll see a book advertised and they'll say, oh, it's, it's £20. It'll be advertised in the paper, the Express or whatever it is, £20. So I go to Amazon and it'll be £6.99. Yeah. So I'll buy it. From Amazon, because yes. it's... Unfortunately, bookshops are being put out of business. Yeah, by the internet. By the internet. Who can offer them cheap... Um, you know, some must be even lost leaders. I mean, our, our residence association for the block of flats that I live in used to have its meetings in our local library. Right. I think you can hire it in the evenings, things mm. like that, for local meetings. So, but... but they're, so they're, it's a social... It's, it is a... Without that, it's not like there are sort of church halls or... I mean, it, it's a use for local... A yeah. meeting point, I suppose, isn't it? Well, I don't know, because, I'm, I mean, I, we, we do have a library. In fact, there's one just over the road here. Yeah. There is a library yeah. over the road here yeah, where right it's automatic. So I went in it one day with, with Darren, and you can take a book out, and you put it into a machine, and it scans it, and then you just walk out. But they've got electronic sensors to make sure you don't nick a book. Right. Which, I'm obviously, not... some people do. I spent a lot of my childhood in Richmond Library and Richmond Green. I used to like that library. Yeah. It's I don't know where the nice. library is now. It's just next to the theatre. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's been there for a very long oh, time. Oh, yes, you're right, it is, yeah, it there's is. There's a lending oh, library there, and there's yeah. a reference library in that sort of posh bit by the river. Oh, right. Uh, that, that, uh, well, we also have a large library in, in Twickenham, yeah. which seems to serve, you know, a useful purpose. And you do get, and they, and they do sell off DVDs or 
yeah. books or things like that. But we used to imagine librarians were sort of people with little pair of glasses on the end of their nose looking over it and then stamping the book. Now it's all electronic. The other thing is, do you have to shush in the same way these days as you used to in the library? I, I remember as a child it was shh, shh. Yes, you weren't allowed to talk, you were talk, you? Be quiet! And then you had to take a book out, and you'd have to do it in a hushed, hushed voice. <laughs> I don't know if that's still the case, whether you have to shush. Well, I don't know, but I, I reckon the main source of libraries' income is kids going. Yeah. I don't see it being adults, because... Pensioners. You think pensioners would go to the library? Because you can read the newspapers for free. You can look at the internet for free. All right. I mean, these things are useful. We've all been. It's just that we appear not to be going as much, because I think they they were looking to to close six or seven. You think? I think I'm really in favour of local libraries. Oh, I mean, I I love the idea of keeping the local community going. I'm all Mm. all in favour of things like that, because most people who live in a community know nothing about it at all. Mm. I'm I'm not the most active in, in my community, but I know... And Most things that are going on. Board. You have a local yeah. notice board in the entrance to the library, yeah. on the whole, and um, you can learn about local history. Well, I, I generally learn about what's going on in our area from people in the shops. If it's not in Sandy's, the fish shop, it'll be Paul Cooper telling me, or, you know, all the, the, the pub landlords of the yeah. pubs that I frequent, yeah, well, that things too. like that. Yeah. It's, so, let's hear from you. You know, do you go to your local library? When was the last time you went? And is it just for children? Is it just for children now? 84850-LBC973. The only way is Essex are so desperate for Mick and Kirk Norcross, who apparently haven't seen each other for some time, because uh, the old one, the old man, who likes the young girls, uh, is selling up because he wants to buy a hotel, so he's selling this pile here uh, for £3.4 Vastly overpriced, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Looks like a very plain house, but it does come with acres and a pond. And um, and he's he's deciding to invest in a hotel at Leon C. I bet his son's sick as a parrot. <laughs> you know, investing it in a in a bigger dump than the one he's got at the moment. It's near a place called Bulfen, near Brentwood. Sixteen acres of stables and equestrian facilities, a thirty-eight foot games room, plus a life-size Elvis model, plus an outdoor hot tub. Sounds revolting, oh. but it's up for sale. And so he's managed to get a free advert. In the, in the Daily Star today, so that'll appeal to lots of Daily Star readers. As long as it comes with a page-free girl, eh, lads? Way. That'll be nice. I've got some very good news for you, Steve. I oh, mean, it's, you're, it's a bit far off for you, but actually, um, you know, give it another sort of 10, 20 years and you'll be in this position. Um, older does now mean wiser. Brains of the over-55s work more efficiently as experience of age beats the speed of youth. Actually, we're told, weren't we, the term your brain cells, that you sort of get to about 22 or something and then everything goes downhill and you start getting more and more sort of dim and slow. In fact, it's the opposite. The over 55s use their brains more efficiently than younger people. Uh Um, They're much more likely to... um, uh, They're much more likely, although they make a bit more time to come to a decision, they're simply conserving their energy. And um, it turns out that young people give the impression of being sharper by coming up with answers more quickly, but that's a sign of inexperience, not wisdom. Yes. So um turns out that people get cleverer as they get as older. As they get older. Yep. Well, they always say older and wiser. Older I, I, and there, wiser. there was a campaign a short while ago for a lot of businesses, and I think B&Q and McDonald's started it, of employing older people. Yeah. Because they, and then all of a sudden, that kind of disappeared. Yeah. And you go to McDonald's and it's all five-year-olds. Sort of yeah, yeah so it was just done, I presume, as a publicity stunt, or failing that old people don't want to work in a place like that. But most people, I'm actually, I'm actually talking to uh, a guy at the moment who's actually going to retire, and uh, he, I said, you're going to keep yourself occupied? He said, well, that's the main thing. When you retire, you've got to keep yourself occupied. So uh, talk more on that a little bit later. 84850, LBC 973, on the libraries. But uh, down at Dale Farm, 
It's our reporter, Dan Friedman. Morning, Dan. Morning, Steve. So what, what's the latest? I mean, is, is anything happening at the moment? Because I, ke- I keep thinking to myself, are they waiting for daylight or are they, are they likely to move in any time soon to start removing the illegal travellers? It's quite hard to say. We're at the uh, entrance to the site itself, and uh, overnight uh, they've already barricaded sort of the inside of the uh, sort of front wall of the site, if you like, uh, itself a little bit makeshift, uh, bits of wood and uh, banners, and uh, just beyond that there's sort of what looks like a few heads of people just bobbing above probably a 10, 15-foot-high wall. So people clearly watching to see if anyone's about to... Uh, come in what's going on outside people keeping a clear eye on that and beyond that 20 feet forward from that is another sort of line of barricade that's been set up overnight i understand and that is very also makeshift uh, there's a lamp post kind of horizontally across it there's uh, bits of car parts pallets and bits of wood as well uh, bits of old sofa in fact as well so very makeshift but uh, is certainly an obstacle for people getting in whether it will be a resistance to the bulldozers uh, which are stationed a short while from here when they decide to go in i'm not so sure uh, we've been issued with high-vis yellow jackets now i think that's to distinguish us from bailiffs who'll be wearing uh, blue jackets and as we left where we parked to leave the site to go around to the entrance to the site itself so there's sort of an even a media parking area this is how long this has been rumbling on for they've set that up and um we saw a lot of the bailiffs or people certainly in blue high-vis jackets uh, arriving in you know normal vehicles vans and cars uh, to the site so it would seem that they're getting into position. We also understood from the council that they were scheduled to start at around 8 o'clock in terms of that's when they were booked from. So all indications are that we are going to see something in the next couple of hours happening. It seems that the people on the inside of the camp think that as well. They're keeping an eye out constantly for any sort of movement. At the moment, it's a a gaggle of reporters kind of stationed at the entrance to to the site. But I think certainly uh, that could change quite soon. Although this is the main entrance, so whether bailiffs might choose to try and sort of uh, get into the site and uh, and break through a different point on the camp that is also i'm sure an option for them although it does seem to be pretty well protected by uh, by trees and uh, sort of more natural defenses i mean I, I was looking at the site the other day from the air the aerial photographs and i kept thinking they almost need to plan it like a military operation all the travelers and the so-called anarchists uh, are guarding the front come in from the back makes perfect sense well, that, I'm sure, is something that they will uh, have thought of and they will have a, a strategy that they probably won't want to share. Um, there has been, uh, you know, throughout this uh, wrangle, lots of, uh, not, not shady goings-on, but certainly they've tried to outwit each other with legal battles, and I'm sure it'll be the same when the physical uh, battle to actually uh, mm. get into the site and, uh, and and try and remove them happens as well. So I'm sure there'll be uh, certain tricks up their sleeve. We've been warned to sort of uh, be protective in the past. Um, uh, things have been thrown from inside the camp by protesters and, you know, possibly some of the travellers as well at people outside pretty indiscriminately so um, we're going to probably you know try and get as close as we can but also be aware that we could uh, put ourselves at risk if we do so absolutely dan thank you for that very much indeed i reported down there at dale farm so we think probably eight o'clock this morning that's that's what the indication is from either outside the camp or inside the camp as the people inside are looking out what happens i don't know but they've got all their bulldozers there all ready to to smash straight through what you do if there's people the other side of it i have no idea and then we wait and see what happens but you'll hear it first on lbc 97.3 time now is coming up to uh, 6 30 this chilly wednesday morning we're broadcasting live from leicester square your exhibition center it's a battery-powered toy and the kids can sit in it 
and it moves forwards and backwards, spins around and can shout exterminate. So that'll be the one that all the kids want for Christmas. How, they, how much they are, I've got no idea. Nanny Pat uh, had to be... Um, they, they were filming Nanny Pat in The Only Way is Essex. They say, lovable gran. Certainly not, really. Not a nice person at all. And she went handbagging Kirk Norcross. She went gunning for the TV hunk 23. He's not. Uh, after he slated her precious Mark Wright. What a drip he is. She and daughter Carol, Mark's mum, took him to task over his backstabbing insults. Oh, grow up, you stupid people, honestly. They really are drips on that programme. <laughs> the sooner they all disappear, the better, and the happier I will be. Well, they've got so much competition now, haven't they, with all these other shows, Made in Chelsea, yeah. and Geordie Shaw, and all these things. It was the only show like that for a while. Yes, no yes. I think it's running out of steam, to be honest, yeah. yeah. Uh, Steve, I listen to every morning fab, says Jay. I have four lovely kids and they all benefit from the library. It's a must-keep from our point of view. Shows kids how important books are. See, this is what I was saying earlier on. I think it's the children who use it more than the adults. I think that's true. And, and Jonathan thinks old people as well. Although Emma says, I have three boys, five and twins aged four... I can't live without the library. I borrow 14 books every week for story time at bedtime. How could I feed their appetite for books without the library? Because I don't have the funds to pay for them. There you go. You see, perhaps we should just have children's libraries. Because I'd like to... I mean, they must have a... Because it's all computerised, they must work out which books are the most popular. And I'm judging by what we're hearing here... It's for children. So why why not have a children's library? Children and senior citizens. Yes. Well, not necessarily senior citizens. Uh, strange enough, Anne Jones from the Cooperative Funeral Services says, I use the local library for hiring CDs for funeral services. She's right. in West Wickham. So, so that's great. You see, somebody will say, have you got... Oh, I didn't know they had a CD section as well. You can hire... And DVDs. And DVDs. Yeah, well, they, I know that they sell DVDs in our ones. You know, they go, this is two pounds or a pound. Yeah. And uh, Christine says, I'm a member of a library committee. An automatic checkout is now very common. I asked the senior manager if it was a way of getting rid of librarians. He said, no, but I, th- but I think it is. So, yeah. could be. Last time I used the library was to look at building plans for our estate, says Phil. Sarah went to the local library in Ashford yesterday, took one book back and got three out. I can read a book a week, so it would be expensive otherwise. It's quite busy during the middle of the day. People of varying ages, so keep the libraries. Uh, Fiona says you can get CDs to learn languages for free, which cost over 80 quid to buy. Aggie uses the library regularly. It's very busy, even on Sundays. Lisa says keep libraries so old people have somewhere to go to keep warm. There is that, isn't there, I suppose? I never thought about that. And I suppose some of them, you, you, you can actually sort of... There, a lot of them got computers in. Yeah. And there's one here that says you can use the internet, printing, composing letters and CVs. Plus, I found it was used... Useful for adults to read papers and to be with other people. Well, it is quite useful if you're unemployed or between jobs. And yeah. It's a sort of an office sort of yes. environment, isn't it? You can go and you can print stuff and look at stuff up online and yeah. prepare your CV and things. I think it's invaluable. Yes, good idea. Unemployed people, Steve, who can't afford to get broadband and buy papers every day can use the library to look for a job. Yeah, Anne in Banstead says, my local library is rubbish. Oh. Just, I'm still a member of Cheam Library, a wonderful place. In fact, everything up here is naff. I don't know what I was thinking when I moved away from Cheam Village. <laughs> so there you go. It'll teach you. Back to Cheam. And Charlie, age nine, is on his way to his dad's boat in Norfolk. Probably with his library books, I shouldn't wonder. So, so do you use the library? It does seem to me it's, uh, they're, they're used far more than I, I imagine. I, quite, quite amazing, actually. So, you know, as they're thinking of cutting libraries back because of the cost, I wonder, really, 
you know, what other services do you use? We've heard of a funeral director who uses them to get the music for the funeral services. You know, I'd like to hear Steve Allen singing ABBA's Greatest Hits, which we want to play at my granddad's funeral, just to make sure he really does go. And, uh, you know, anything like that. So do you still use them? Or do you think they're, they're a bit of an old relic, a bit of a dinosaur, and we should bury them? 84850-LBC973. I've got a great Adele story for you in a moment. A great Adele story. Because I didn't know who Adele was. What, the singer Adele? Yeah, the singer Adele. She's very popular. Very, very popular. Yeah. She tells the Americans she's common. You'd recognise her songs, even if you didn't know oh, who she I? was. Oh, would I? Yeah, you'd recognise her. I downloaded so a very hit so song much the other day. in shops and sort of... Yeah. Um, you know, ads and things. Oh, right. I, I downloaded a Run DMC song the other day. Oh, did you? Because I'm so hip, but it's, it's a new... Ah, but it's a new version with um, um, a mixer, one of these David Guetta or something like David that. David Guetta. David Guetta. Mm. And now, it's, it's the way it is. Oh, it's good, that. It's really good. Yeah, he's very I've, good, David Guetta. Oh, I tell you, it's wonderful. I'm quite hip, you know. You know, for a 37-year-old, I'm, like, down with the kids. <laughs> anyway, talking of down with the kids, LBC 97.3 is backing a competition to find the brightest new musical talent in the UK. Young musicians and singers can enter the next Brit thing online where the public will vote for their favourites. LBC 97.3's... Laura Harm went down to London's Abbey Road studios yesterday to find out more. The next Brit thing is a nationwide search for new young music talent. It's backed by the Brit Awards and the government in conjunction with LBC 97.3 and it's open to 11 to 19 year olds who can upload their tracks of any genre to a website to be judged by the public and industry professionals too. One of the prizes is a recording session here at the iconic Abbey Road studios where today youngsters from the aptly named Abbey Road School in Nottingham have had a chance to record a Beatles track with singer-songwriter Katie Mellower. The competition is still running. It will run until December. And the prize is the recording session at Abbey Road, performing at Indigo O2 and also having the song featured on the Brit Awards compilation. It's not just pop music, it can be classical. So it's all very exciting and anyone can take part. Also here today was the Culture Minister Ed Vasey who told us why the next Brit thing is different from any other competition. I wouldn't uh, dare criticise the X Factor, but I think it, it is different. I mean, people might think it's a bit like the X Factor. I think it's different because, again, it's targeting uh, school children in particular. It allows people to upload their stuff onto a website so it's much easier, as it were, to get involved. Uh, and it crosses all the different genres. So uh, in that sense, yeah, I hope it will engage thousands of school children all up and down the country. Well, the voting stages of the next Brit thing have now opened. That means people can go online and vote for the ones that they like best. Also, youngsters can still upload their music to the website. All the details are online at our website, lbc.co.uk. I think we could do better on the singing department. I think definitely better. So it's the next Brit thing Online, Laura Harms down there at London's Abbey Road Studios, which is still full of tourists outside every day who hold the traffic up so oh, they can have their picture I, taken, posing on the... the on the oh, it drives you mad. The drivers all honking their horns. Bibi, Bibi! And there's six <laughs> Spanish teenagers posing like Posing, I know. It's just terrible. It's amazing how, after all these years... They're still doing it. If you go round, I this I haven't, I haven't checked out recently, but up until about a year ago, if you went round the back of 
Freddie Mercury's house, which is just over the road from Earl's Court, the whole wall was graffitiized. Well, it's all still graffitiized all around Abbey Road. Yes, everybody's it's all painted every so often. And, yeah. and then it all comes back all again. It comes back again. Everybody's coming to write little messages. So I've, I've, I've got a story about Adele. Oh, yeah. And this is from Neil. He says, you mentioned Adele yesterday, which reminded me of a funny story. It was 2002, and my daughter Haley's 18th birthday... She's going to be 27 in November. And to celebrate, her and 14 friends, one of which was a very young 14-year-old Adele, were off to a nightclub in Romford. I just had delivery of a new transit van, for Shogun print, and I was commandeered into dropping them off. The girls all piled into the back of the van. It wasn't long before they all started singing and having a mini-party in the back of the van during the 20-odd-minute journey. We stopped at some traffic lights when a police car pulled up alongside us. The noise was loud, to say the least. But luckily, with a frown, not thinking for one moment the noise could possibly be coming from my van, the bemused policeman pulled away. I don't think I could have talked my way out of it if he'd pulled us over. I love to jokingly tell everybody I had a hand in starting a career because I had Adele singing in the back of my van. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, there you go. Adele singing. Does she have, have hit singles? She's very, very popular. Very Incredibly popular. Well. Phil Stadium's in a heartbeat. Really? Oh, yeah. She's, you can't get a ticket for love nor money for her gigs. Good Lord. Very Jane says, very I use my library every week. I can't afford to buy books and I use the computers as well. If closed, I'd have a long trip to the nearest one. Claudia goes to the Swiss Cottage Library at 33. That's not the number, that's how old she is. She's soon to be 34, probably. Well, that's a whole centre, the Swiss Cottage one. There's, um... Yeah, she said it's got magazines, a room, table, PCs next to the gym, theatre, public transport. Yeah. They've even got a cafe. She said, I would change the coffee. It's always the first thing to go, isn't yeah, it? not good. It's, she's quite right. The coffee's not good there. Yeah. And she says they were inviting readers to now read books that were banned for centuries. This week, some section contained books from black history. So uh, she said, I was surprised, but I couldn't find easy enough info on how to help the communities, voluntary work and local events. So work on that one. Uh, Cindy says, my 17-year-old son and his friends all use Chiswick Library as a place to study for GCSEs and A-levels. Gives them a routine and keeps them away from the distractions at home. I used to revise in the library. Really? For GCSEs, yeah. We've hit a nerve here, ladies and gentlemen. We've actually discovered something we all do. Uh, Steve, I use the library every week. Brent Council, though, says Joy closed and boarded up our local library on Friday following the High Court ruling. It's a travesty. Many happy hours spent there with my seven-year-old twins after school and on Saturday afternoons. They would read and select books in a small, safe environment while I read numerous papers. What now? Terrible decision. And Wilma says, when I was made redundant, the library was invaluable. Lots of old people use it to keep warm. It's always very, very busy. Quarter to seven. News headline, Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Residents at Dale Farm in Essex are preparing for eviction following weeks of legal wrangling over the country's largest illegal travellers' site. Families facing the biggest squeeze since the 1930s. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Ten to seven is the time. Our local library seems to be frequented by mums with children more than anybody else. Great for getting young kids interested. They like books. You should, you know, from a young age, kids should have... I used to sit in the bath with a book. I still do that occasionally now, but not, not as often. And Ruth says, I couldn't do without the library. Reading, craft, talking books, DVDs for myself and my daughter. I couldn't afford to buy all the things. So we're all doing it, aren't we? we're all going. Which is great news, as far (laughs) as I'm concerned. Uh, Bert and Ernie have been outed by Paddy Power. One lucky person uh, was was lucky enough to back the pair in the race for the closet door. He's going to get a £60 return on his £5 wager at 12 to 1. Mr Mr. Burns and uh, Waylon Smithers headed the betting at 7 to 4. Bert and Ernie's second favourites at 12 to 1. Being gay. Yes. Yeah. We've got, we, we, there's a series of children's book with a gay squirrel, I think, called Cyril the Squirrel. 
Cyril the Squirrel yeah, we've got gets better by the minute, doesn't it? Yeah, I love it. Okay. I used to worry about Noddy and Big Ears. Yeah. <laughs> Mind yeah. you, I used to worry about the wooden tops. I've worried about loads of things over the years. Do you talk about Mr Bungle? No. No. Peter Pan, best friend of fairy. Yeah. What can I tell you? Uh, listening to your programme, says Pam, it's not just graduates finding it hard to get jobs, which is what we did yesterday. I'm in my 30s, have a degree and 10 years office experience. I've taken a few temporary admin roles whilst looking for a permanent role in the past two years. My last role was in April. I live in West London, uh, where there should be ample office opportunities. I've applied for other types of work in retail, but always get replies such as need recent retail experience. Mm. It's not easy, is it? Not easy at all. What you got? David and Victoria Beckham's daughter, Harper Seven, has inspired a bingo call based on her name. Harper Beckham, number seven. Oh, Yep, along with Will and Kate for number eight, and Keep On Working for 65. Keep On Working for 65? They're never going to remember that one, are they? (laughs) Keep On Working, 65. Harper Beckham, number Number seven. seven. I just think it's the stupidest name ever. <laughs> Harper Seven. Harper I mean, seven. I mean, really, it sounds like a, it's just the stupidest thing ever. Um, did I have a senior moment, or did you just really say, we talked about mummification yesterday, Jonathan Levi joins us after the news. <laughs> oh, no, here I've we go I've seen pictures again. of him, and in my humble opinion, I don't think he needed any work done. <laughs> this was this man who, who died in January and wanted his body mummified. I know, so they... yeah, I read about that. But I looked at the pic- His wife thought he looked the same. I didn't think didn't he looked you at all it the same. looked like a different head? Well, it did. It looked like, it looked like all the Egyptian pharaohs' heads, mm. because I'm presuming, that, you know, it, people without any hair at all looked completely different. Yeah. You know, if you saw me without my, my, my toupee on today, I would look different. Barely recognisable. Barely recognisable. Like, I could walk out of here and nobody would... Would uh, would recognise me, but it, but he has had it done actually. Adele's latest album released on the nineteenth of January, twenty eleven. Steve, and still to drop out the top three. Yes, I mean, at one point I thought I downloaded it, but I obviously didn't. I, d- I did I did think about it actually. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot Mark Constantine is looking at the papers with Nick Ferrari this morning, co-founder and MD of Lush Cosmetics. We go back a long way. And uh, Nick will bring you the live updates from Dale Farm. I think 8 o'clock. We think 8 o'clock it's going to start. He'll be discussing as well the £42 million unpaid bill that we spoke about earlier that the foreign nationals have left for the uh, NHS and the latest wage row for construction workers in London. All of that and the papers with Nick Ferrara. It's also Joe Feldman's birthday today. Lovely Joe. Happy birthday for today from uh, John Warrington and me and your mum and your other sister. So have a lovely, lovely day, Joe Feldman. Uh, Steve, Jan... Oh, yes, Jan said, you just said you were 37. Make up your mind, yesterday you were 43. It's good to do with you. Mind your own business. I mean, whatever, I'm now 19 tomorrow. <laughs> 19. <laughs> I have a wonderful mobile library in Brompton Road that serves the disabled, so you can read what you like and not worry about being overdue. I'd fight for that one, which is good, says D. And uh, Steve, libraries are perfect for borrowing travel books as you only need them for a small period of time. So they're obviously, you obviously like libraries, don't you? Everybody, everybody's in favour of them. They're not in favour of, of closing them. You know, well, none of you seem to be in, in favour of closing the blooming things. And Angela says, um, I read a book a day. It kills time whilst I'm on a kidney machine for hours. You see, re- I mean, I, I can also re- read a book in a day. I'm very fast. I can speed read a book so fast you wouldn't believe it. I mean, I really am. I'm, I'm a very, very good uh, reader. Stevie says, my local library has just had a £3 million facelift. It looks amazing. They've got computers, DVDs, and, of course, they're free. 
Good. So there's this new TV show, The Voice, that's going to come onto the BBC, BBC One next year. It's going to leave the X Factor quaking in its boots. It's this new big show in the US that's coming here. Oh, right. The judges are facing the other way. Uh, so so the they audience, don't see them. The audience can see the singer. The judges can't. The judges are facing the audience in chairs. So all they hear is the voice. Right. And uh, the judges, rumoured to never be... never work in the X Factor, would it? No. <laughs> rumoured to be Tom Jones. Oh, right. Um, apparently. Jesse J, potentially. In the US, it's been CeeLo Green and Christina Aguilera. But um, it's going uh, to be a big show, and I think it's going to shake things up. In Do you think it is? These. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Oh, right. It's I don't like really, the title a, of it. The voice. Yeah, it just doesn't... You know, it, it just doesn't... I mean, I understand the premise behind it. And on The X Factor, of course, none of these people get through at all. No. Because nobody can sing no, so far. they're all... aren't any good. No, they no. aren't any good. So that's... Whereas their image is all about... On The X Factor, is quite often it's about their image or the, the backstory or the sob story or whatever. Yeah. Whereas this is just about the voice and that's it. So it have to be a much better singer. Well, then, oh, I don't... See, I'm not sure whether that's going to work. Well, people do have amazing voices. Yes, they do. I mean, and, and I suppose it doesn't really matter what they look like. No. So it's a different approach altogether. Right. Because that uh, opera star, pop star to opera star thing, has relaunched, um, what's his name? Oh, um... The little, the, the, yeah, the little lad, the his little name we can't there, remember. Yeah. Yeah, um, and he, he's now off touring. Yeah. On the, he couldn't get arrested for singing pop tunes. No, he couldn't, but, but actually, when it came show, to... show tunes, very good. Bridget, go very easy on the strudel, it is full of sugar. It is absolutely chock a block with I sugar. do like a strudel, an apple, hot apple strudel. Hot apple with, strudel with, is with lovely. vanilla ice cream. There is, there is this sort of lovely one. I'd love a slice of strudel now. Would you? Wouldn't you? Shh, don't do my food. It is delicious. Sauce? It's mm. delicious if you've got some cream poured over it. Ice cream or... Just... Apple crumble as well. Oh, apple crumble. I think that's even nicer than strudel. Oh, stop it. Even at this time of the morning I could eat apple crumble. Mm. As a child, Steve, I spent school holes in my local library, which are like a treasure trove for me. They're worth fighting for. Uh, Steve, definitely use mine, wouldn't be without it. And from Claudia, one of my daughters uses her local library for herself and for two children. She attends the book club. As for my library, two floors, loads of computers, tax office, benefit help, immigration rights, but hardly any books. <laughs> so, there you go. so you have you have the set going on down there. It's amazing, isn't it, really, exactly, you know, what you're using the library for. And uh, Steve, says Eve, I know exactly how old you are. You were born two years before my mum, who was born in 19... 19- I don't think so. I think they've got the wrong one. I think you've got the wrong Steve I Allen. Wrong I was Steve born Allen. in in sixty five, yeah. something 72, like that. Yeah. Seventy two, I think. I can, yes, I mean, I, I I I couldn't have been born in sixty five. I was here in seventy nine. <laughs> I was very young when I started. I want you to know that I was yes. pushed in in a pram. Child star. Child star. I was very lucky. My first words were LBC, and it was and I did that in a little squeaky voice. So nothing's changed at all. I'm afraid. Uh, sadly, no more time even though we didn't get round to the story of the opera singers hired to perform at a wedding reception, forced guests to flee with an ear-splitting ABBA medley. They've had to, they've had to give the money back, <laughs> apparently. £1,500, because you do get wedding singers, don't you? And it's very interesting. And Anne Whittacombe is going to be back in the Strictly audience. Two chairs for Matron, please. She'll be there. She wants to keep Anton in, but she's not bothered about his dance partner. It's going to be frosty tonight. Everyone's going to be... Frosty. Coats on tomorrow. Right. Frosty the snowman tonight. No snow as yet, but it's it's definitely getting colder. Temperatures are going to plummet. I might put some... I, I should get told off by Nick Ferrari in a moment, because I'm wearing short sleeve shirts. He thinks if I wear a short sleeve shirt, I look like an airline pilot. <laughs> Which is very rude, of course. And I did put on a long sleeve shirt, and then realised it hadn't done it properly in the laundrette, so that's going back today. Jonathan Levi, thank you. Thank you. Jonathan's back with us very soon on LBC 97.3. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Go to the LBC website, please.
and learn how to podcast, then you can go away on holiday and take the programmes with you and catch up with everything that people are talking about. Uh, and as for libraries, you quite clearly definitely want them. Nick and the team with you after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. Mark Constantine from Lush will be here looking through the papers. Uh, before that, it's the business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing down 26 points at 